to be free From all these chains that somehow shackle me God gave me the vision of Sister to Sister a few years ago. I am a longtime resident of Binghamton, and I come from a lifestyle of addiction and prostitution, and I lived that life for 22 years in the Binghamton community. I walked the streets in Binghamton. The Lord delivered me about 13 years ago, <laughs> and I came back to the community to reach back to the women that I walked the streets with. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Piet Stridham, in for Byron Tyler. I am the executive director of The Liquid Legacy. I have the privilege of sitting in for Byron today, and I'm really excited for our guests today. These are folks that I have known for a while and worked with for a while, and excited to introduce you guys to Tricia Henderson and Lacey Craig from Sister to Sister. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. So great to have you guys here, hoping to learn a little bit more of what it is that Sister to Sister is and what it is that you guys do. So we can just kind of jump in, Tricia, with what is the ministry and uh, how did we get here? I am Tricia Henderson. I am founder of Sister to Sister, and we are Drop-In Center. We're a faith-based organization, and we provide a safe haven for women breaking free from prostitution and addiction. And we're located in the Binghamton community. And that's an incredible mission statement right there. <laughs> Not one you hear often. I mean, that is a, that's got to be a tough ministry to launch and find. How did it come about? Well, God gave me the vision of Sister to Sister a few years ago. I am a longtime resident of Binghamton, and I come from a lifestyle of addiction and prostitution, and I lived that life for 22 years in the Binghamton community. I walked the streets in Binghamton. The Lord delivered me about 13 years ago, <laughs> and I came back to the community to reach back to the women that I walked the streets with. That's an incredibly powerful thing to be able to do. Um, I've known you for years now, and it's been incredible to watch that journey um, as God has not only um, delivered you from those things and grown you as a, as a person and as a, as a Christian, but it's been incredible to see how God has planted this vision in your heart to now see it flourish. So tell me a little bit more about what it is that you guys, you know, that's kind of the mission statement, but what is it that you guys do on the bigger picture? Yeah, so we have basically three components to our ministry. Uh, one is street outreach. So we go out on the street in the Binghamton and Mitchell Heights area, kind of along Summer Avenue. And that's where we go meet ladies and tell them about what we do and just kind of offer our help. We'll bring sandwiches or something out just to pass out to give them something. And then two other days a week, we have a drop-in center, which is just a wonderful property owned by being here. Community Church, and they let us use that space where the women can come uh, just to, to rest, to take a shower, to have lunch, to just enjoy some, some fellowship here the gospel and get connected to resources. Sometimes we have free HIV testing there, free mammograms, free dental work, just a, a lot of different things that the women need. But then also we can refer them out uh, for other things that they need. And then we also have a house uh, called the Lotus House, and it's a guest house for women who are interested in getting off the streets and need a safe place to stay while they kind of get that sorted out. So they'll stay in our house for a few days, maybe to detox, maybe to uh, just make a plan to transition into long-term treatment. So it's just uh, mm -hmm. kind of a, a stop through. Wow. That's a lot going on there. 
I'm just thinking about you know kind of the first phase of that of going and meeting these ladies on the street, um, sometimes with sandwiches, those kind of things. How are you guys received when you do that? Well, it's kind of mixed. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the women know Trisha because she's been in the community most all of her life. And so that's helpful. A lot of the time people are really excited to, you know, to connect or to talk, to have somebody, you know, that's interested in their lives just mm-hmm. to chat with. Sometimes they're on a mission. They don't have time to stop and talk to you. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes men, especially who are just kind of like looking for trouble will be mm-hmm. a little bit threatening but um we haven't had any like major problems with them but sometimes it doesn't feel like we're totally welcome yeah depends on the day wow you guys are brave that's for sure <laughs> um it's it's not it's not the kind of ministry i would say everybody's cut out to do right um it's got to be something that like you said trisha that god has called you to right so what is it that keeps you going back, even on the days that you're not feeling like you're welcomed on the street? What makes you go back day after day after day? Um, consistency. When I was on the streets, that's something that I needed. I needed to see, um, I needed to see consistency. I needed, um, I needed to see someone who, if they told me that they cared about me or if someone told me that they would be there, that's what I needed, and so that's what we do. We're mm-hmm. um, we're consistent no matter the outcome, no matter how we receive. One of the things that keeps us going back to is just hope. We really believe that the women can have a different life, um, mm-hmm. even if they don't believe it for themselves. We really do believe it for them, and so just having that hope and wanting to see um, the Lord intervene and transform. Um, you know, some days it's really discouraging. Trisha will share in a second about, you know, we've lost several women mm. to overdoses and things like that, or just um, due to health problems that had kind of gone untreated for a long time. And so it can be really hard and discouraging. But, you know, when somebody has just a little breakthrough or somebody kind of shares that maybe they um, are thinking about getting off the streets, that really keeps us going mm-hmm. because. Sometimes it takes just that first little, like, interest in doing something different, and we can kind of hang on to that and and foster that hope within them. I mean, that's some real frontline work that you guys are doing in that sense, and it's got to be hard sometimes when, you, like you mentioned, you, you lose some of these women uh, to health reasons, to overdosing, those kind of things. Uh, how does that impact the community there when you lose someone? It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, uh, especially... We've grown close to most of the girls who come to the drop-in center. You know, we see them weekly, and it's heartbreaking when we lose them to whatever, health reasons, addiction, or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking for us and for the other women that are still on the streets. When you lose someone like that, and everybody has known that lady for, for, for a long time, do you feel like that opens the doors for you guys sometimes and God using that tragedy to bring people closer to both to him but also to getting off the street? I would say it's definitely sobering. It brings up a lot of conversations about that the stakes are high, especially just some of these dangerous drugs that are out here. Every every time they choose to get high, their life is on the line. Mm-hmm. When something like that happens, I think it becomes real to them yeah 
kind of brings it home. Mm-hmm. A lot of people out there would typically think um, or even you know drive past some of these ladies and think um, you know it's their choice to live this way. What's kind of your your answer to that when somebody says, well, they just choose to be that way. They just choose to live that way, so it's their choice. Yeah, working with this population over the years, one thing um, that I'm sure of is no one is involved in prostitution because it's just something that they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of brokenness in their past, usually, and um, addiction gets involved and complicates things, too. So dealing with trauma from their background and then dealing with drug addiction makes it feel almost uh, impossible to get out of just a mm-hmm. cycle of of doping up getting drunk and prostituting and then getting that money and turning around taking that right back to the dope boy and it's just a cycle mm-hmm. you know I, I think a lot of women are miserable in what they're mm-hmm. doing and uh, they just don't see a way um, out of it yeah and incredible for them to be able to come into something like the drop-in center that's a very neutral space, mm-hmm. very non-threatening space, um, and know that there's the consistency of somebody that you guys are there every time. Um, they see the same people. They know they can get help there if they want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for, for these ladies when they come into the drop-in center? Is it a place for them to just kind of grab a meal? Is it a, a place for them to just be able to talk to somebody? Uh, what does that space provide for you guys? It's a place where that's clean, that's safe. They know they're safe there. Mm-hmm. It's a place where they can take a shower, have a meal, watch TV, hear the gospel, read a book, <laughs> take a nap, just kind of sounds like home. It's 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 a it's a home. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a home. It's an escape from the streets mm. for a few hours. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. they appreciate it. They appreciate every meal. They appreciate op- every opportunity. You know, opportunity mm-hmm. to take a shower. They appreciate the toiletries. They appreciate every. They appreciate things that most people take for granted. Not bad. They, Not bad. And that's an incredible thing to be able to be a part of and to build a, those relationships with them. And uh, I love that the gospel is in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that a central thing to you guys in Sister to Sister as a ministry? Absolutely. When we started Sister to Sister, we we were driven by the gospel. You know, like both of us have just experienced that transformation in Christ, and we know that that's what makes it possible for women out there mm-hmm. to to get off the streets and to see their lives totally change and it's hard it's always hard work um but it's enabled by the holy spirit yeah and what are some of the successes that you guys have seen through that in god breaking through and delivering somebody and bringing them through the other side we've seen women go to treatment Mm. whether short term or long term we've seen women be reunited with their families gain relationships with their children Start working jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I, I think one of the things we, I would say, I would never, you know, never even think about is that these women are disconnected from their families mm-hmm. and from their loved ones, and sometimes from their, their own children mm-hmm. uh, because of the addiction, because of the trauma. Um, is that a common thread that you know? I think we just see them as individuals, and we don't think of the bigger picture when we drive past, but. 
there's a bigger picture of a, a real person who has been discarded, maybe rejected by their family, um, even their own children, and they there's no connection there. Is that kind of a common picture? So I would say uh, when we encounter women out on the streets, we recognize that it didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't get there just overnight. Um, they burned a lot of bridges, typically, um, by the time they're at the point where they're homeless and mm-hmm. um, walk in the streets. Uh, they're disconnected from their families. Sometimes their families were the sources of the trauma that they mm-hmm. endured or um, are very dysfunctional or not um, not a support network for them. Mm. And so they need uh, they need that kind of connection. They need friendship. And I think that's really the main thing that we have to offer is that friendship and community and um, the love of Jesus, you know, um, day in and day out. Like Trisha mentioned in the beginning, that consistency mm-hmm. um, is really one of the most important things yeah. for them. And that, I mean, that's a, an incredible uh, long-term thing, too. It's, you know, I think a lot of times we, uh, especially in our culture today, we want uh, pretty immediate change. You know, we're, we're kind of used to the instant things. We want instant results. Um, and I think sometimes we even think about that when it comes to the gospel and changing people's lives. But you bring up the point that this didn't over ha- happen overnight for them. You know, this was, um, these women are, you know, I'm assuming in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, they've got a lifetime of hurt and bad, not just bad habits, but uh, bad things that have happened. To see change in that takes time um, and patience on you guys' end. Is that hard for you to sometimes to walk that slow road with somebody? Well, sometimes it is. Um, sometimes I think we have hope. I'll give an example of one person who, um, well, more than one, was ready to go, ready to leave the streets, ready to go to rehab, and everything was set. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, they get they get scared. Yeah, it's like afraid of the unknown, like mm. afraid of the unknown. What's on the other side of of addiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know we see that a lot in the recovery world is that afraid of the unknown, mm-hmm. and it's not only just what does life look like on the other side of this, but who am I? Mm-hmm. Because when you've known yourself to be this one person for so long um, and you know that going to rehab is going to change who you are and you don't know who it's going to be that's on the other side that's a terrifying thing for any individual I think mm-hmm. um, so especially somebody who has suffered deep trauma mm-hmm. uh, I imagine that being a bigger fear even what would you say to listeners who maybe have never even thought about the idea or the need of a ministry towards um, women on the street and never even thought about the struggles that they might face outside of just their own choosing in that sense. Yeah, I think for me, I I was naive to uh, this whole world really until I started um, working working to help women come out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Now I drive around and see women all the time walking the streets because my eyes were just open to it. And so I think that um, a lot of the time we're just we're blind to -hmm. what's going on around us because it's just we're ignorant about it. Um, But I also would say I think with the women who we work with and who I've worked with over the years, um, there's just this like... a lot of them have had so many hard things happen to mm-hmm. them in their lives. 
And I have a very like deep belief that you know they say but for the grace of god there go i mm-hmm. and i think all the time if i had been through some of the things that they had been through i have no idea how i would manage it you mm-hmm. know like for them to even still be standing still be alive is amazing and so um i think it's really important to approach the subject and approach the women with a lot of compassion mm-hmm. understanding that um they didn't get here by their own choosing and they're going to need a lot of support to get out. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing to remember. I think anytime we, we find somebody, you know, who is in deep struggle in life, um, but especially for these women to, to remember that this is not the life that they chose. They didn't wake up one day and go, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a road of trauma that gets them there. Um, you mentioned earlier the Lotus House, mm-hmm. and um, that being kind of a safe house for women that once they're ready to get off the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about? Well, we realized we needed a safe house or a transitional house for women when uh, women would come to the drop-in center and wanted help. Mm-hmm. There's no help available. When they wanted help to um, detox or even go to a rehab and there were no beds available. Mm-hmm. And so we realized we needed a safe house. Yeah, we had uh, one particular thing that happened that was really eye-opening for us. There was a lady who came to us and wanted to, um, she was just miserable on fentanyl and wanted to detox. And there there wasn't a bed available at the um where uninsured women can go for Mm -hmm. uh, where uninsured patients can go to detox there's really only one place in town that's inpatient there weren't any beds available she was miserable she didn't want to go back out um that night and so we just happened to find a doctor who could help um but it would be outpatient Mm -hmm. and um i told her you know we can find you a place to go to get some medication to help you detox but um you're on your own for like where to stay tonight because it was Mm. evening by that time and it was too late to get into a shelter or anything it was just all too late and she said well i I guess i can go to my uncle's house and so i said whatever you can whatever you can do to stay safe like do it get through the night and we'll work on something else for tomorrow so you know everything just happened kind of down to the wire like i got Mm -hmm. her um prescriptions for her like right before the pharmacy closed and took her over to what she called her uncle's house and um she called me maybe a couple hours later and she was crying she said i'm not safe here i'm not safe here you need to come pick me up i don't know what i'm gonna do and i said well okay and i called trisha and we got in the car and got over there and trisha's heart sank i think when we got there and she said (laughs) This is not her uncle's house. This is the dope house. Mm. So sadly, the only place where she knew to go to mm-hmm. detox was the drug house where she would go and buy her drugs. And of course, by the time we got there, um, we actually don't know what happened, but she had relapsed and she had gone somewhere. So so we didn't get to help her that night. And we haven't really we've seen her since. But she's she, as far as we know, she's mm-hmm. you know still getting high. Um and we don't see her very much anymore. And so that was just a really sad thing to happen mm-hmm. and really sobering for us to realize these women really oftentimes have nowhere to go if 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 we don't help them. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we 
pretty soon after that decided to rent the Lotus house. Um, we found a house in the community, not far from our um, drop-in center, and thankfully, this year, we actually were able to purchase that house. And incredible. So it's, <laughs> it's a big blessing to us. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's, I mean, that's part of the hard thing with it, um, I guess, is that you you sometimes have such a narrow opening into somebody's life where they're, you know, we talk about somebody who's caught up in that much trauma and then the addiction side of things, that sometimes that window of them willing to step out and trust somebody else is such a narrow window that when you miss that, you feel like you've missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got to trust God, I guess, in that, and that he will bring them around at the right time. Um, but incredible that you guys were able to secure the Lotus House and have something like that, that for the next time it's ready to roll. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys seen some success with that? We have. We had a young lady to come and stay at our Lotus House, and we helped her to, I mean, she was, when we met her, she was addicted, homeless, Sitting on the steps of the drop-in center. Mm. Sleeping she, outside. Sleeping outside the drop-in center. She was determined to get sober and surrender to the Lord. She came to stay at our Lotus House, and we were able to help her to get into a long-term program. She's yes. in a two-year program now. That's incredible. And she's That's doing incredible. great. And those are the stories, I guess, that keep you going every day as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, just kind of... For folks out there, obviously this is not the kind of ministry that we can all just show up and sign up and come and volunteer mm-hmm. for. It's not the kind of thing that we would normally just jump into that way. So uh, what are some of the ways that folks can support you guys as a ministry? Yeah, so um, like you said, we don't have a ton of need for volunteers. We do have volunteers sign up to bring lunch uh, twice a week on Wednesdays and Thursdays, um, and you can find uh, a sign-up link on our website, sista2sista.co. So it's S-I-S-T-A and the number two, and then S-I-S-T-A dot C-O. We also are always looking for uh, monthly donors, mm-hmm. as we're currently um, completely uh, supported just by like individuals. We don't have... Um, you know any big like foundations or government yeah. grants or anything like that, and so we um, would love to add more monthly donors. Um, and so again, that's sista to sista co slash donate. That's incredible. And I know you know from running a, a nonprofit, um, people always think that uh, you know we need the, the large donors, but it's honestly it's those twenty dollar a month mm-hmm. um, consistent donor that um, I like to call the bread and butter of nonprofit. You know, the ministry doesn't run without those small monthly donations coming in consistently. So I know how important that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the meals. Um, that's an incredible opportunity for somebody to uh, either sponsor or drop off meals. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's for the ladies to come and enjoy on those days then? Yeah, we feed about uh, 12 to 15 women um, every, you know, two days a week, every, mm-hmm. t- every time. So I'd encourage everybody to, you know, look at the website, look it up, and um, see if this is something that both you can support monthly or possibly sponsor a meal and help these folks out as they really are the front line in, in some of this ministry area that most of us don't even think about um, having a, a large need in. So that's an incredible way for folks to be able to help support you guys in that. And prayer request, is there anything that folks can pray for you guys for specifically? Well, you can always pray for us to stay encouraged. You know, as you've mentioned, it's a hard it's a hard 
ministry. It's a, par- mm-hmm. a hard population. There's a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a lot of um, just pain that we see in people's lives every day. Um, so you can always pray for us to stay encouraged. Also, just pray for um, hearts to be softened to hear the gospel. We try to do, you know, Bible story like brief Bible stories about mm-hmm. once a week. Um, and that can be hard because, as you might imagine, people come in intoxicated most of the time, and it's a little chaotic, and sometimes people have, you know, some big um, drama that they're going through or, mm-hmm. or, you know, big needs that they're um, expressing. So it can be it can be challenging to just have everyone sit down and listen to a Bible story, <laughs> but it's something that we've found to be a, a main priority because there is power in the word of god mm-hmm. and we we firmly believe that and and we want them to hear what the bible has to say for their lives and so um you can just pray for that for those opportunities mm-hmm. to um to grow and that we wouldn't get too distracted to mm-hmm. um you know to find those times even like i mean we laugh like if we can get them sometimes we'll say okay we're going to tell you a story, and it only takes three minutes. <laughs> you know. Yep, you've got to get creative with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and probably one of the most out there um, environments to be able to try and do any kind of Bible study or Bible telling story, sharing the gospel. But incredible that you guys do that with the groups, um, and then obviously with individuals when they're ready to, to sit down and have those conversations. So we'll definitely be praying for those two things. I know every time, you know, I feel like as I've learned more about what you guys do, and, you know, Tricia, I've known you for a long time, um, my eyes have been open to especially Summer Avenue um, and seeing things differently there um, and praying for those women and knowing that there's somebody that is checking in on them, presenting them with that opportunity. So thank you guys so much for coming in today and sharing a little bit of that. Um, again, that website, Lacey, if you want to just give them that, if they want any more information. Yes, it's S-I-S-T-A and the number two, S-I-S-T-A dot C-O. Awesome. We encourage you guys to check that out and um, support these folks as they uh, do some real frontline ministry in Binghampton. Uh, I want to thank you for listening today to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Uh, again, I'm Piet Stratum in for Byron Tyler, and we hope you have a great day.